0: And ladies and gentlemen, he's one of the all-time greats, my buddy, Mr. John Wayne.
1: You're listening to the John Wayne Gritcast with me, Ethan Wayne. The hell I will. We'll be discussing the life and legacy of my father.
0: John Wayne. Mr. John Wayne. John
1: Wayne is the United States of America. Slap some bacon on a biscuit and let's go. Welcome, everybody. Today we're joined by Bob O'Hill. Bob's sister was my mother's best friend for many years, so Bob was around uh, quite a bit and has some fun stories to share. Hope you enjoy. Uh
2: oh, I can't, I can't tell the stories yet because I got to save it.
1: Hmm. Yeah, you got to wait. Are Uh. we rolling? Yeah.
2: We're already on.
1: Cool. Oh no, I haven't said anything bad yet. (laughs) Welcome, Bobby Hill. Well, this well, is sort of something that we started doing just to preserve stories that are going to disappear with people. And Marisa has has always said, you've got to talk to Bobby. He was there for the Playboy interview. He was there for different things. And you were around. So I, I thought, let's capture you.
2: I've been around and around.
1: <laughs>
2: well, thank you for having me. It's such an honor. Thank you, Marisa, for recommending me.
0: I feel like every time we talk, you have these... Fabulous stories of being in Mexico with my dad and carrying the ammunition and the bourbon or whatever it is that he had you. And so I just thought that, plus the way you tell them.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and every year the stories get a little better. That's
0: right. So now <laughs> oh, you're not going to video good. this. They're,
2: they're just in okay. time to be really good now. Because
0: his smile's so great when he tells these stories. It's <laughs> like a cat that ate the canary. A picture. Okay.
2: Yeah, good thing. Good thing this isn't a uh, video.
1: Well, I was thinking maybe we could just go does. back to the start of maybe when you, like, who who connected first? Coy, you, like, how did? I have
2: prepared this in oh, chronological wow. order so I can that's, so, that's, so I can actually line. do that from well, the start.
1: I I have a cookie since you're going to be doing all the work. Yeah, you I'll can you can Thank eat while I have here. to you're talk.
2: Welcome. So I first met your dad on Father's Day. So, uh, Coy, I can't remember when Coy married Clement in the early 70s, and he, the Wayne family moved to Bay Shores in the early 70s, right? 73 mm-hmm. or 4? Something it like 60, that? 60 was. 66.
0: Right so, 63 I was or 4? 65. Did I have
2: my years off?
0: It was right before yes. I was born.
2: 63 or 4. It's right there, right before you were born. So, uh, before things got really good. Were you born at Hope?
0: No, they, she still had her doctor up in Encino, so she drove up there to have me, but they lived down here.
2: Ah. Yeah. So in 63, Coy married Clement, and I think you guys came to Bay Shores in 63 or 64, and that Father's Day, so Father's Day would have been in June, everyone went to Irvine Coast Country Club for Father's Day. Long time ago. And, uh. I remember him walking through the door and Coy and Pilar did their hugs and they were like birds. So they above.
0: already knew each other.
2: Yeah, they already knew each other and somehow, yeah, they had planned this Father's Day deal at okay. Irvine Coast Country Club. My uncle was there, Forrest and Duke and and Clement was there.
1: And uh, Did did Coy know Pilar first or did Clement know
2: No, Coy knew Pilar first. And I don't know how they met. Um, I'd have to ask Pilar yeah, that. We'll but Coy him. knew yeah. Pilar before Clement knew Duke. I mean, Clement may have met Duke a long time ago, but the, the connection was Coy and Pilar. I see. They became fast friends, bridge friends and tennis friends. and
1: Where was Irvine Coast? Was it?
2: It's where Newport Beach Country Club is yeah. now. Yeah. Okay. A wonderful guy owns that now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, by the way, I'm playing pickleball almost every day.
2: Are you over there?
0: Yeah, uh-huh. Oh, how fun. I see Sean, and it's so much fun. I've already brought you three new members.
2: Really? Mm-hmm. Well, you brought Sean, yeah. two well, new members. Okay, three. Maybe I can increase the rent now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, Sean's a great guy. He really is a good guy. Yeah, Isn't that like a nice. fun sport?
0: Yeah, it's really fun. God,
2: I've made it into such a big deal over there, and it's very social. It yeah, makes it fun. We'll have to get over there and play pickleball yeah, with you. Do it. So anyway, um, and after uh, Father's Day, uh, somehow everybody, all the kids, got in the car with Duke, and he had that you know big Pontiac station wagon. I think it was green with the mm-hmm. lifted, what they call the raised roof. What was the term? Yeah. Pontiac whatever.
0: Grand Safari. You guys
2: remember that, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, we, uh, I think you were sitting in the front seat and I was right behind you. It's amazing how I can remember this, but this was a big deal in my life. So we started out and we made a right-hand turn on Pacific Coast Highway. We went down to Jamboree Road. We made a left. We went on to Balboa Island. Oh, I got a little something to tell you. When he came to to Jamboree Road, uh, and he was stopping. He stopped like he was stopping a stagecoach. Did you guys ever see him do that? Yeah, oh, yeah, all
0: the time. <laughs> Whoa! Whoa. Whoa!
2: And he did it so perfectly that he pulled back and as the car stopped, he went forward. I mean, it was just like, oh my God, he has that just perfect. So then we made a left and we, we drove onto Balboa Island. We made a right-hand turn, went down, made another left and went onto the ferry. And we were the first car in the ferry, and some car came behind us and barely bumped us. So I got out of the car. Everyone else stayed in the car. Um, I got out of the car, looked around. We went across the thing. I kind of gave the guy behind me a little look and got back in the car. And Duke put the car in reverse when we got to the other side and <laughs> backed up
1: slightly and bumped the guy
2: and then put it forward and we drove off.
1: That is so
0: typical.
1: <laughs> so <believe> it.
2: typical. <laughs>
0: Just a little tap.
2: So, uh, you know, it was like, oh my god, you know,
0: <laughs> I hope we don't <laughs> get
2: arrested. <laughs> no, they'd never well, arrest you is... So, and we went down to Bay, to the house in Bay Shores, and then I can't remember what happened next. Went home. So
0: you are with all the kids, like Hugh and Casey and Hillary and. Yeah. Ethan Aissa. You weren't there yet. I wasn't born yet. No.
1: Wow. I think I have vague memories of the Irvine Country Club. Yeah. We used to go there for Easter. Yeah. It's just, it's faint. It's
2: where the golf, you know, it's Newport Beach Country Club now. Yeah. And it used to be Irvine Coast Country Club. So.
1: Yeah. Early memories. And how great was this area back then? You grew up here, right?
2: Well, I'm still growing up here. (laughs) Now I'm growing up in Emerald Bay. I started out in Pasadena Pasadena, and went through a little Catholic school called Mayfield. And then we moved, we kept coming down here all the time. My sister lived down here, Coy lived down here. My sister that started out 24 years older than me. And by the time she uh, passed away, she was younger than me. (laughs) But uh, so we would come down all the time, visit her. And then we moved down here when I was a freshman in high school.
1: We should maybe preface that Coy was a very close friend of our mother's. Uh, basically my entire life, like none of us here really know where the relationship started, but they were very close, and Bobby and Coy are brother and sister, and uh, you've both been in our lives, really, the whole time. Yeah, Coy and Pilar were
2: bestest friends for a long, long, long time. Yeah.
1: Wow, that's so funny. You might be triggering, like, little memories in my head about going across the ferry and bumping into the guy. I don't know if I've heard the story, if you've told it, I've heard it from you. I don't think I've ever told it before. I remember you saying,
0: I was worried we're going to get arrested. One time my dad was going over the speed limit and I think we were going up Dover. And I was like, dad, he's like, what? Like you're going 45 and it says 35. He's like, yeah. (laughs) And I'm like, well, what if you get a ticket? they're not going to give me a ticket or something. And he gets pulled over and the guy, <laughs> the guy comes up an and he's like, Oh, Mr. Wayne. Hi, have a great day.
2: Oh, <laughs> just... uh, yeah. Yeah. Same thing happened to us in Mexico. So anyway, let me go back to my little script here. If yeah. I can figure out who's on first. Um, so Koi and, and Duke and, and the whole group kind of bonded over, over tennis and, and bridge uh clement and duke didn't play tennis but the rest of them did and uh the marisa you were born on washington's birthday and i'm born on lincoln's birthday wow. so you're my birthday buddy
1: right. you're on the 12th what is it the 12th yep yeah. 12th and
2: the 22nd
1: Remember, we used to get lincoln's birthday off and then we get washington's birthday off and then so back in the, the old line, days yeah, until they spoiled the it
2: days.
0: And you yeah. used to be older than me, but now I'm catching up to you.
2: Yeah, you're going to pass me soon. <laughs> I, I got a little coy in me, you know. <laughs> We're we, we all related. So um, Marisa came along, and there was that great thing on Dean Martin. Mm-hmm. I love that. I yeah. hope you have. I guess you can get it on YouTube. Yeah. Have you, you've yeah. seen it, haven't you? Yeah. It's unbelievable. Um, very special. And you know, the thing that I john wayne the person is so much different than his image i mean he was you know intellectual he was so funny i mean he could have done a talk show in a heartbeat and Mm -hmm. what a practical joker i mean he there's a lot of that in marisa (laughs) (laughs) and and very philosophical very sentimental and Kind of the surprising things for me was that, you know, I can remember when I was with him playing chess or checkers or in Mexico when I stood watch and with him we went across the Sea of Cortez, spent hours talking to him. You know, he has very strong opinions about things, but very tolerant of other people's points of view. Not only tolerant, but actually curious about them. Because, you know, I, I was young and the Vietnam War and the protest stuff was going on. I can remember talking to him about that kind of thing. And uh, it was very, very different than, than his screen image, especially how, you know, gentle he could be and, and kind, very kind person. At least he was very kind to me, I can tell you.
1: I like what you said about He, he had strong opinions himself, but he valued and wanted to hear opposing opinions because that's how you learn. Yeah. Right. That's how you learn and grow and how you move forward. And he was a, he was a person who could think for himself and therefore freedom of speech and freedom of debate were things that were important to him because Sure, I have my opinions, but until I hear yours, I'm not going to understand you better. And I need to hear yours to make sure I really feel the way I do. Yeah. And and I think you're right. I think people don't realize that about John Wayne, and I'm happy you brought that up.
2: Yeah. You know, it, 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 the other thing is that most celebrities are super disappointment. And... And he was better in real life than he was on the screen because he had such a big personality. I mean, you know, a lot of actors need a script to um, Lucille Ball. You know, funny, funny actress in person. She's not funny at all. (laughs) You know, she can recite funny lines and make funny faces. But, um, you know, if you sit down and talk to her, Um, I, I don't send this to her children, please.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, we can edit anything out. But, but, but
2: but Duke was, I mean, what an amazing personality. I mean, really powerful, real personality. Somebody was home, something was going on. I, 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 uh, was a celebrity advance man for Ronald Reagan's campaign when he ran against President Ford. I was... 22 years old, and um, I got recruited by this guy who had, I was in this thing called the, what's it called, the Bachelor's Ball in Los Angeles, where, and I met this guy named Tom Malatesta, and he was uh, Bob Hope's nephew, and he ran for the Senate at, this is, you know, a few years later, and then, and he lost, and then he called me and said, you need to be Ronald Reagan's, you know, advance man, and we're going to Texas, and John Wayne's coming, and Jimmy Stewart, and, you know, I go, John Wayne? I know John Wayne. Okay, I'll go. <laughs> so I go down to the airport, Jimmy Stewart shows up, Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. shows up, wow. Marianne Moldby, a few others, Duke didn't come. Oh, no. <laughs> he had some, some last minute thing, so I get them all pre-boarded, and off we go to Texas. And the thing that you know, Jimmy Stewart was, you know, did some great acting, but he didn't have a big personality, so he was uh, no John Wayne. So, let's yeah, see. Try. Let me go back to my little try. thing here so I can. Um, so, I helped build these houses in here a long time ago. Did you?
1: for? I was, was like it,
2: 14 years old.
1: Who built these?
2: So... Claire, Trevor, and Milton yeah. Bren moved okay. on to Harbor Island and across the street from Coy. And Claire had a son named Chuck Bren, who was a couple years older than me. And then she, Milton had a son that had just gotten out of the Marine Corps. And they bought a lot on Lido Island and they built a house and they sold it to Jane Wyman, that had just gotten a divorce from Ronald Reagan. Wow. So that was Donald Bren's first house. Claire would go around and, you know, Claire was in Stagecoach with Duke, mm-hmm. and she won the Academy Award for, I forget, Key Largo or something. And um, um, so she would go and buy a house and fix it up, and this would be the house that Claire Trevor lived in. It would be like, you know, I don't know who it would be like today. Um, yeah, would be like, uh,
1: you know, Katy Perry. Yeah. yeah. For and somebody. so they'd,
2: they'd sell the house and they'd move into another one. And so that was kind of how Donald Bren grew up. And so his second project, there was a guy named John McLeod, who was born on my birthday, February 12th. I got a birthday present until he died every wow. year from him. Hmm. Nicest man. And he owned a company called Macco Realty and Maco Construction. Huge home builder. They built thousands and thousands of houses after World War II. And so he bought this property from the Irvine Company. He built one little spec house, the first one when you come down the road, and nothing else sold. And so Claire took him for a boat ride and said, my son Donald, look what we, took him over for tea with Jane Wyman. And so he subordinated Dover Shores to Donald Bren. This was his second project. So Chuck and I would come over in the Boston Whaler, and then we'd go water skiing in the back bay. I don't know if we built this house or not, but
1: back in the day. unbelievable. Yeah, I can remember skiing back here, and I found a photo of me walking on this beach when I'm three or four years old. Really? So it had to uh, we had to have been brought over by Milton or Claire or somebody because yeah. they lived they were one street up on here. Galaxy yeah. or Santiago? No, or... no, the the one just like halfway up the hill. I can. Originally, show you the they house. had a house here, and then
2: they moved up there. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. 'Cause they said we're we're gonna that was part of their thing. They got Bob Waterfield and what's her name? Jane Russell or something to buy a house and then they all sold like hotcakes. <laughs> and then they took Richard O'Neill for a boat ride and his third project was uh, Mission Viejo.
0: Is not Maco is that Mac Shattuck now? Pardon? Maco did you say Maco?
2: Maco, yeah. Isn't so, that
0: Mac Shattuck?
2: Yeah, Mac Shattuck's grandfather is John McLeod.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah. Wow
1: they lived on west so like wind old, which is the first street oh, okay. as you're going yeah. up that's right and the house looks almost the same yeah. i remember
0: the doors they were like those old-fashioned doors weren't they With like big kind of like beverly hillbilly doors i don't know we'll them. walk by it and see okay. if you remember it
1: yeah a lot of those have been redone but that yeah. one i think looks pretty pretty much the same as it did when they were in it okay yeah, I knew there was some tie into these homes. I yeah. came here in 1989. You've been here a long time. Yeah, thirty years, right? It's a great place. Wow. Are you a good math person? Something like that.
2: <laughs> long time. So, um, Coy would have these bridge parties, and uh, Clement and Milton, and Milton was a big bridge player, and of course Duke and Pilar, and. And uh, there was a guy named Chuck Matheson. I know Chuck very well. So they were all
0: on Harbor Island. When Coy moved here, she moved to Harbor Island, and she was there for, okay. Right. Okay, I remember all of those. So
2: uh, Chuck lived next door for a while when he was married to Link. And uh, he um, uh, was a block trader with Jeffries, and then went off and did um, the Gilsons, uh, whatever, LBL, leverage Buyout. And then he started uh, dating really young girls. And so... Chuck? Chuck Matheson. Okay. So the doorbell rings. I go and I open the door. And Chuck's with this really young girl. And they're walking in. And Duke says, My God, Chuck! Let her go up and play with the children! <laughs> 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 It was, it was classic. Uh, then I there saw was-
1: Chuck a few years ago. I was in Catalina. Uh-huh. He was over there. He just bought a boat. I don't know. And uh, it was kind of a weird weather weekend. There was thunderstorms and all kinds of crazy stuff. It was nice, but the thunderstorms came in. And he goes, come over, Ethan. Come over and have dinner. And he was dating a girl. He's in his 80s, right? So his girlfriend was from Alaska. Big, pretty, blonde girl. She's probably in her 40s. That old? Uh, yeah, and so we go, <laughs> I go over to his boat for dinner, and it's very nice. And the the guy brings out dessert, and they're like little brownie squares. So like, oh, that's great. You know these things are delicious. Well, they were oh, no marijuana brownies. <laughs> oh really? Yeah, and I hadn't had it since I was in high school. So
0: and the way you eat brownies. By is- the
1: time I got back to my boat, there was a squall, and my boat was dragging its anchor, and it had like the outriggers out with the flopper stoppers and the dinghy. And I got to my boat, and I'm usually like, boom, boom, boom. And I was staring at all the knobs and switches just kind of going, I'm like, oh, man, no. I don't remember what any of these do. <laughs> anyway, yeah, it was great to see him. He's a fun guy.
0: Doesn't he do the gaming? The... Yeah,
1: he ended up with uh, that slot machine company, IGT. Yeah. Uh, and international. And other things. And, and international
2: something? Gaming Technology.
1: Okay. He did very, very well. Is, is he still alive?
2: You know, last time I saw him, he wasn't doing very well, but it was a year ago. A year ago? Yeah, so he he liked to go out to Las Vegas to meet showgirls. You know, how many times has he been married? I
1: have no idea. I
2: think it's like five or six. I
1: I didn't see him for, you know, 20 or 30 years until I saw him in Catalina. And then we kept in touch a little bit, and we do some business with uh, Southern Wine and Spirits. So I know Larry Ruvo, who has Nevada, and he and Chuck are close friends. Yeah. So there's a little bit of a connection there, but I, I haven't. Uh, so he, he said he was writing a book, and we were gonna. I was going to go by and see him, but I haven't got up there yet. Is he in yeah. Up in Nevada somewhere, yeah.
2: Yeah, he's, he spends a lot of time out in the desert, too, at, at the Vintage Club. Mm. Yeah, he, uh, going out to Las Vegas uh, uh, for for social reasons, he ended up buying, uh, I think it was a uh, company or maybe he just bought the patents for digital slot machines. Mm-hmm. And they, like, you know, 80% of the world's digital slot machines. And they sold to some huge Italian company that does, um, I, I don't even know what they do. But, you yeah, that guy, he's got uh, a number what's of uh, billions in the bank. What's you his You don't have to name? worry about Chuck. Chuck Matheson? His son? I've Is never met his son.
0: Chuck Jr.? No.
2: I've never met. Okay. I think it's Chuck. Chuck it's has Chuck, Chuck has two sons, I think.
0: I think one's Doesn't Chuck he? Jr. and he moved on the same street as a friend of mine lives in Reno. A really?
2: While ago, a long yeah, time ago. I've never ago. met the son.
0: Okay.
2: I know Link isn't alive anymore. Oh, she's not. She was, very nice, yeah, she we was very nice when we were
1: kids. Chuck was very nice to me too when, yeah. when I was a kid. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. So um, the next thing I remember was going to Aspen. So there was this guy named Bill Pasco, and Bill Pasco owned a company called—well, he didn't own all of it, but he owned most of it—and he was the president of a company called American Cement. And American Cement developed Snowmass, that's part of mm-hmm. Aspen. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, Coy—I don't know who else went—Casey, Hillary, and I went on the Pasco jet. And we blasted it off to Aspen we land. And the thing goes down. And who's standing right there? Duke. And, you know, I'm trying to carry the bags, and he wants to carry bags. And I go, wow, John Wayne came to this plane to greet us. So well, they had rented a great big house. I don't know if Coy and Clement rented it or Duke rented it or they rented it together. It was a huge house with a lot of bedrooms. And I remember... Um, Duke said oh my god I love this plane do they charter this plane out and this pilot that was really officious turns to Duke and says no this is just for Mr. Pascoe's personal use <laughs> I remember thinking oh my god somebody ought somebody to wash your mouth out with soap <laughs> so anyway um, we we go stay in this house and You know, I go skiing, and Duke walks around. He would wear this, like, neckerchief tied in that little knot that he Mm -hmm. would tie it in, his cowboy hat on and stuff, walking around Aspen. We go to this restaurant. You've heard me tell this story. We go to this restaurant called the Copper Kettle. I understand it's not there anymore. And we walk into the restaurant, and all of a sudden I look, and there's this, kind of cute young girl running across the room and she runs over and throws her arms around Duke and goes oh my god I love you I've loved you since I was a little girl I love you so much and then she looks up and she goes and you're not as old looking as they told me you were <laughs> <laughs> that's sort of a high and a low and the same <laughs> it, thing yeah. right so um then uh the next thing i remember on my little list is um the party i went to i think three christmas parties can can we go
1: back to aspen for a minute because i know he went there a lot did you ever come across a guy named ed smart while you were there yeah i met ed so ed was an interesting guy and um we still have, or the estate still has, an interest in two mining claims up on Aspen Mountain. One we share with somebody, and one we, I don't know who it is, and one we share with the county. Uh, but some, and this has happened to me a number of times. You know, I go to Palomar, they go, Your father owned the entire mountain, that whole valley at one time. Who did? And people say this. Oh. And then they also said that he owned almost 30,000 acres like where the city of Aspen ends and then continues, maybe the other way from Snowmass. And uh, I think it was all tied to maybe around Ed or something. None of this was, uh, you know, by the time I grew up and, and could look at stuff, none of that was around. It wasn't there when he died, so I don't know what he was doing up there. But I remember we went to Aspen a lot and he wasn't a skier. So it was either for mining or to visit his friends or to just go up and have a good time in the mountains. I'm not sure. But I remember it as a small, like Newport was, it was a small sort of quiet place where guys could could go have fun. Yeah. Oh, thanks, Marisa. And there's more bottles in the cooler if you want them.
0: Okay. Jay, do you want some? I'm good. Thank you.
1: You don't have to be that way just because I'm here. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I did not knew, knew any of the uh, dealings with Ed or no I I met Ed
2: uh on that trip um I remember I couldn't even tell you what he looked like skinny I rem- white
1: hair yeah. yeah very light I just light remember eyes, I just tan. remember that
2: I, I you know I just got the feeling that he was promoting duke into you know mining ventures that- yeah
1: yeah i mean uh, you know i don't know how long ago but if you're coming down the 55 where they dug that freeway and you just come back up to to the old newport boulevard there's an old like travel lodge or roadway in or something mm-hmm. like that right there you don't even yeah. notice it and he called one day and he's like can you come over and meet me at this hotel and i'm like he called sure. you yeah And he had, you know, plans and this, and this was stolen, and you got to look after this guy, and, you know, I don't know. He was trying to sell you something? No, he's saying that, you know, somebody took advantage of the deal that he and John Wayne were in, and we can still get it back. Oh, that kind of thing. Just kind of like crazy. I remember looking at him, and looking at all the stuff in the trunk, and looking at the hotel, and I'm like, "Ah, Mm -hmm. this is not my project today.
2: Bill Pasco was another interesting character. He had a, like a butch haircut. I mean, he looked like, looked like he, uh, one of uh, Halderman's uh, clones or whatever. Very, you know, everything was just nailed down mm. tight. He had horses, I think. So, so anyway, yeah, Aspen and then um, Duke and Pilar's wonderful Christmas parties. I think I went to three of them. And the first one was my first black tie ever. I was pretty young. And I couldn't figure out how to tie the tie. And Coy said, well, Duke will show you how to tie it. So I remember showing up at the party and he's like tying my tie for me and he goes like that and then he goes like that on my shoulders and (laughs) go get him. (laughs) So um, at one of those Christmas parties, uh, I was out dancing and um, this, you know, older woman asked me to dance. She wasn't that. She was older to me. She might have been, you know, 28 or 30 or something, but she was a lot older than I was. And so I danced, a fancy dance with her, and then the music slowed down. And so then she grabbed me, and we started dancing a slow dance, and then she put her face Uh-oh. next to my face, and my little face is on fire. You know, I'm like 17 years old or something. And then all of a sudden, I feel a tap on the back, and I turn around, and Anthony Quinn has his hand out like this. And I put my hand out, and we shake hands. And this woman says, oh, this is my husband, Tony. And as, she, <laughs> as he's shaking my hand, he takes his heel and digs it into my foot. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, that was a pretty That's exciting funny. experience. Wow,
1: Anthony Quinn, he is somebody who... Has an amazing look. Anthony you put Quinn. a sombrero on him; he's a Mexican. You put a turban on him; he's a Middle Eastern. You put feathers on him; he's an Indian.
2: Remember Zorba the Greek? Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean he, he had an amazing face, and um, every time I look at him, he's, he's like my father, where you know he could have a captain's hat on, he could have a, a cowboy hat on, he could have a Marine Corps helmet on. Looks perfect in whatever you put on the guy. Yeah, and you know, Anthony Quinn was the same way.
0: I met him. I saw Zorba the Greek and then went backstage and met him and he had nothing but great things to say about Dad. Oh, I can't nice. remember specifically.
1: Anthony Quinn? Mhm. Yeah. What did he say what? about Bobby? Yeah. I didn't did ask. you
0: mention I didn't
2: ask. <laughs> What what about that guy that was son dancing or I with your knew wife? His son, or we had she, the same she, agent
0: or something. Yeah.
2: He had he had a child. I forget how old he was when his last child was born, but Anthony Quinn was I think older than Duke when you were born.
0: He had a son close to my age.
2: Yeah, and, and was, were they Tony about the Jr. same age as your dad, Anthony Quinn and your dad? I don't
0: know. You want to Google okay, that? He was born in
1: 1915, so, so he's a
2: little younger. seven years younger. Seven years younger? Eight years younger. Um, and at one of those Christmas parties was John and Bo Derrick. Oh, yeah. Before she was. <laughs> Ethan
0: <even> remembers that.
1: <laughs> you remember Bo Derrick? Oh, my Me? gosh. Yeah. Well, I remember Ursula Andrus first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Bo Derrick. Yeah, John Derrick started
2: out with, he had three of them, Ursula, Andrus, and then who was the other one?
0: Linda Evans. Uh, Linda
2: Evans. Linda Evans. Linda Evans yeah. and then Bo Derrick. And, and I, he, no, talk about a look. I mean, he, has a type. he had that long white hair. He looked like a conductor of the Philharmonic or a,
1: he was. Uh, did, did you just, you're bringing up all these memories that I've forgotten. Did you know John von Neumann? The guy who ran Volkswagen, Porsche, was good friends with Chick Iverson. Oh, I remember Chick. John and Cleo von Neumann. They were very, like, they were very cosmopolitan. They were very, (laughs) you know, I looked at them and I'm like, oh, you could just tell, like, some stuff went on with these people. Hmm. And they had these pistachio nuts in their home, but they were, like, the size of, you know, giant grapes. They were these huge pistachio nuts, and they had the hairless dog, and she was barely wearing anything and he was you know i don't remember them i
2: remember chick iverson wow yeah chick and duke were really close very close i
1: didn't mean to cut you off but you just brought back the those names that i haven't thought about in a long time yeah crazy crew
2: wonderful times um then in 1969, and I don't even know how it happened, but somehow Duke and I watched Midnight Cowboy. So he was up for the Academy Award for True Grit, and um, uh, somehow I got to sit in that, what do you call that, where his desk was? Was that the? Yeah, the, the den, den the or whatever. Or whatever. The and they den, had the projector yeah. behind, and you know I remember thinking, Gosh, we don't even see the guy that's showing the movie. So we sat there and we watched Midnight Cowboy. And when it was over, you know, I expected him to say something you know, derogatory about the movie. He said, that's a hell of a movie, hell of a performance. I go, you're going to win. He goes, I don't know. I go, you're going to win. And then we watched, um, what was the name of the movie? I actually... For for people
1: who don't remember, and if anybody ever listens to this podcast, uh, Midnight Cowboy was a film with John Voight and Dustin Hoffman, right? And they played uh, drug addicted, gay guys, uh, gay prostitutes in New York City. It's not a it's not an uplifting film. Yeah, it's It's an incredible performance. You would
2: expect Duke to say, "Hell of a performance, hell of a movie."
1: Yeah, it's a in a tough movie to watch. it I've is. watched it. It's you know just you got to watch something afterwards before you go to bed. Yeah, it's a it's a hard one. So just so to, the just one we watched out.
2: afterwards was uh, a movie that Patrick was in,
1: the Bears and
0: I. Yeah,
1: the, oh, Bears, wow. and the I. Bears and I. That the was, Bears and I. Yeah. Ethan
0: was on location with them.
1: Yeah,
2: you worked on that
1: film? No, but I was with my dad. We were on the Wild Goose up in Canada, and that was filmed at a place called Chilco Lake, which was really out in the middle of nowhere. And my dad was flying home. And we were in a seaplane, so he said, Let's go visit Patrick. So we land on the lake, we hang out with Patrick for a couple hours, and then my dad leaves. <laughs> <laughs> and he leaves me. Leaves you there? With leaves Patrick? me there, yeah. I have a jacket, a hang ten t shirt, and a pair yes. of jeans. And he leaves <laughs> you on and, and in the last plane take off. <laughs> and he leaves me there for a couple Did of weeks. Did he tell you that a he was weeks? leaving? Oh yeah, a couple weeks. Oh I
0: thought it was a few days.
1: No, no, no. I was there like a couple I, of I weeks don't, I don't even know how I got home. I'd have to ask Patrick. <laughs> but I'm in a, you know, like a single wide trailer that's on wheels, like it's not permanent. We were, it was like a temporary camp. It was a Disney film called The Bears and I. I'm with Patrick and his wife, Peggy, and I am probably 10, so his kids are like four or something. I don't know. But uh, I wake up, Patrick goes to work, Peggy's doing something. I'm sitting in the living room of this mobile home, and bang, a bird (laughs) hits the plate glass window. And I look out, and the bird's like flopping on the ground. <clears throat> so I run out to try to save the bird. Now Peggy's come out, and she's looking out the window, and she sees me running around, grabbing this bird that's flopping around. And it hits the tree, and I'm trying to use a stick and whatever. And finally, I think this thing's back is broken. So I pick up a rock and smash it to put it out of its misery. I'm like, I'm nine or ten years old. And she thinks, um possessed by the devil (laughs) (laughs) she doesn't know that the bird's injured she just thinks i'm out attacking
2: a bird killer
1: forest creature
2: oh brother yeah so that was really interesting is patrick going to listen to this (laughs) so so he did the last one before you through the through the entire movie your dad did a running critique wow Way too much dialogue. Too much dialogue. <laughs> and my God, he's acting.
0: He's acting. You gotta react. You gotta be a reactor, not an actor.
2: And I can't remember some of the other things he said. Oh it's but, gotta
0: be so I was watching Carmela play tennis today and it was just like, get up to the net like you know, you just I can't <laughs> That's what can't he would Im- say? He, no, I was saying that's that what she today was, at yeah. Carmela's tennis match. You know, I can't imagine Watching your son up there. Yeah,
2: while talking to the screen about, about, uh, but it was really fascinating because as I listened to him, I went, God, you're hundred percent right. You know, one of the things that he did so well, and I saw it so many times is somebody would be talking and he would react to it. You know, people talk to me and I'm looking around, my eyes are glassed over you know, he was really, um, had the ability to have like subtle reactions to things that was really, really interesting. Hmm. And, and, um, he was a big believer And did you ever hear him say that, you know, that guy's an actor? That was no. like, that was really, yeah, I've heard it maybe three or four times. Like, uh, we'd be talking about, I don't know, somebody and he'd go, uh, that guy's an actor, <laughs> like derogatory. So he believed in being a reactor, not an actor. So It's
1: listening. and Just yeah. being natural mm-hmm. and mm-hmm.
2: reacting to whatever it was that was happening instead of, you know, he was just very authentic. Mm-hmm. You know, he was John Wayne and, and uh, you know, other people.
0: My anyway, watch say- the movie
2: now that you've heard that and see if you don't agree with him.
0: My mom used to say he knew his lines and everybody else's lines and he came in so well prepared that, you know, he probably was like, if you're sitting there thinking about how you're going to deliver your line instead of reacting to what he was doing, he probably considered that acting or being an amateur.
2: Yeah. So anyway, he he won the Oscar and um, he brought an autographed picture to my mother and a picture of him with his patch over his eye. Um, and my mother wore a patch over her eye when she was older. And he said, uh, he said, Mary, next time take the spoon out of the
1: coffee. That's what he wrote on
2: <laughs> it. <laughs> I, I don't know what that.
1: happened to it. How old would you have been when you were watching uh, Midnight Cowboy? And- um,
2: 1969. So I would have been... So I would have been seven. Yeah, and I was maybe uh, a senior in high school.
1: Wow. Because he died when I was 17. So I was just, just beginning to get knowledge. Yeah. Just on the cusp of hearing things like you're talking about. Yeah. So it's really interesting for me to hear you share things that he said to you. When you were that age and you know it's just i can remember the films i can remember the time but i didn't have that sort of a connection or relationship with him yet yeah because of age yeah. so like i'll eat this up like crazy because i didn't get that and you know i liked my dad he was a great yeah, it guy it would have
0: been fun to you know me being 13 when he passed away we didn't have intellectual discussions about
2: that's that's a shame because or, yeah. he he was very intellectual, very yeah. smart.
0: Yeah. I remember him being witty and just had a stack of books yeah. by his bed, by the dining table, yeah. on the boat. You know, he was a voracious very reader. Very philosophical.
2: Yeah. Very uh had his cowboy code and all that
1: sort of thing. Maybe we'll watch The back? Bears and I one night. Yeah, watch The Bear. <laughs> don't, it's a Disney don't movie. Don't tell Patrick We should I have suggest. you
0: over so you can tell us what i saying. Oh, brother. <laughs>
1: So
2: the next thing I remember is Del Mar. So Coy and Clement were all into horses. And uh, Clement actually owned the Del Mar Turf Club for a while. And they would rent a house every year in Del Mar on the beach during the Del Mar turf season. And they would have these parties, maybe one or two parties, and they'd go to parties. And so uh, Jimmy Durrani and, and Lucille Ball and Desi and... And as a matter of fact, Clement's ex-wife was married to Desi. So that was interesting when they would come over. Did really? you know that? No, I
0: didn't know yeah, that.
2: Yeah, they were married to Desi. Matter of fact, Greg, you know Greg Hirsch? Yep. So Greg was uh, best man in Desi Jr.'s wedding. Oh, I think he was best man. At least he was so in the was wedding. this was before Coy? Pardon? Yeah, but, before not Coy.
0: Shelly Barr's mom? No. Okay.
2: That was after Coy. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So... Um, uh, Clement would have these parties and Coy would have these parties and one time Duke came down for the party and he uh, changed into trunks and walked down the beach and swam out in the water. And I remember walking out on the beach and going, you know, if anything happens, I'll jump in and save him. And he comes out and I go back in the house. He's walking up the beach in that Duke walk and he walks right into the window. And the window shatters and goes to the ground. Wow. And he turns to, and he goes like this, shakes his (laughs) head back and forth. And he looks at the maid and he goes, you sure keep those windows clean. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have any tequila?
1: (laughs) It was classic. Perfect line.
2: Yeah. I mean, how many people would walk into a window and then have the presence to make a
1: joke of it? And give a compliment at the same time. Yeah.
0: So in the last few years, I have gone to Del Mar quite a few times, and I have a friend in Argentina who was a friend in Steamboat, and he's in the horse business. And my mom wanted to go to Del Mar, so he set it up that we could go to the turf club. And it turns out the guy that runs the track is Joe Harper, is C.C. Presley's brother.
2: And Clement got him the job
0: okay well he's such a wonderful he used to be the
2: head guy at uh so did you meet him when you were there
0: yes we've kept in touch he's been great donating del mar to the gritty up and to cancer foundation and stuff
2: i've never met him oh so he he ran golden gate golden gate some some racetrack up in san francisco and clement brought him down to del mar okay Zillion well, are they gonna run ago. this summer? So he's still go. there I'll running? I'll
0: introduce it? You? Yeah, he's great. Wow. He's such a nice man, took great care of my mom, invites us back every year. And
2: Cece so. Presley.
0: Yeah.
2: Wow.
1: So Cece Presley, to me, when I was a little boy, was probably the most beautiful School woman I'd you. ever yes. seen. Yeah, beautiful. with that fiery red hair. Yeah, yeah, I was just constantly I can remember sitting on the couch and my mother would be on one side and CeCe would be on the other. And I just I would just <laughs> ever so slightly like inch my way over till I was sort of brushing up against C.C. Presley yeah, yeah
2: she she's uh, amazing horse person so she's like she's um, whose who's granddaughter is she
0: Cecil B. DeMille
2: Cecil B. DeMille oh really
0: mm-hmm.
1: I didn't know that Cecil B. DeMille's granddaughter mm-hmm. she was yeah and Randy Presley he was a home builder right
2: yeah, huge home builder. Yeah, he was a big big time he, home builder. He passed
0: away, but I think she's Yeah, he's she's passed still away. living in Big Canyon or around here somewhere. Yeah. And she goes out to mm-hmm. the She's oh also gosh. at
2: the vintage all the time.
1: Wow.
0: Are you you're not at the vintage. Where are you?
2: I'm at the reserve.
0: Reserve. Okay.
2: I at Vintage is yesterday's news. Okay.
0: <laughs> Your place is great out there.
2: Um let's see. What else can I tell you guys? So um my mom had a house in the back bay that I was living at.
1: And your I, mom was Granny. Yeah. Yeah. Who I used to go Mary. see all the time. Yeah. I only knew her Granny. Oh, okay. But I would ride my mini bike back there oh, okay. from Bay Shores and she would take care of us and let us hang I out. Why. She and, used oh to, my god. She used to scare Are me. Are you kidding me? Where look did you get that? that? you kidding me? I took
2: these pictures. Really? There's my car in the
1: background. Oh, my I love first, that car. my first oh car my gosh, in the background. My kids would that Bronco, kill for that car right Blazer, now. Bronco, a Blazer, I mean. Unbelievable, Bobby. You better take wow. a look at these. That is so fun for me. So, so this little mini bike, and the, completely restored. and it's That's in the, the, the one? Office. You have yeah. it still? Yeah. You still have that no, bike? No, it's a different one, but it's the same <laughs> one.
2: Same one, but different. Yeah, I understand. Same Unbelievable. model.
1: Unbelievable.
0: A lot of these things that you're talking about—the station wagon—and there was something else we have at the exhibit is. in Fort Worth.
1: I yeah. can remember there. There was a. I guess they used to dry salt out there. Yeah. But one day, and, salt and line. so there was a. If you look way back, there's a, you can see where there's a road that went across. There was a bridge there. And I can remember going across the bridge with Dad, and it would be really creaky. And he'd be like, whew, we just made it. Probably don't have another crossing on that bridge. We did it a couple times. And then they, it fell or they you, took you it out You drove across it? Yeah.
2: In his car? In the stationery?
1: Yeah, I think so. Just, yeah. it's one of the, you So know, that, it, that's where I,
2: I, you know, my, my dad was, was older when I was born. And so I got really good at games because he loved to play chess and backgammon and, and gin rummy and all those sorts of things. So Duke would come over with you and Casey and we'd sit around and play all kinds of different games while you guys rode around the back bay oh for hours gosh. and wow. hours and hours. And I'm the kind of person that asks a lot of questions. And I probably asked more questions then than I do now. And I still ask a lot of questions. So I would ask him a lot of questions. And then one day he said, uh, Milton, Brent and I are going to Mexico on the goose. Do you want to come? And I go, oh, Duke, I got this project and it's really important and blah, 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 blah. He goes, I learned a long time ago that that'll all be there when you get back. But how often in your life are you going to have a chance to go to Mexico with John Wayne? I go, you're right. I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we, uh, I'm kind of terrified because I know Milton and, you know, I've been around Chuck and Claire Trevor painted my portrait. I gave it to my mother. She cried her eyes out.
0: Do you still have that?
2: Uh, Coy has it somewhere. I'm not sure I can get it, but yeah, it's somewhere. Uh... So she painted my portrait from a, from a picture, and I gave it to my mother. My mother cried her eyes out, and I go, God, Mrs. Bren, what can I ever do to repay you? She goes, name one of your children after me. So every time I had a child, I went, Claire, ah, I can't do Claire. So finally I did one named her Bren, so I have a Bren. And
0: she's but, adorable.
2: But anyway, um, uh, I knew what Milton was like, and, and I love Milton. He's not around anymore, but I, I grew to love him. But one of the most sarcastic, biting, um, Don Rickles kinds of humor.
1: Caustic. abrasive, Really caustic. scary to me. I I didn't like it when I was a kid. We fought. I loved Claire. Like verbally fought, called each other's names. You did? Oh, yeah. When you Mm -hmm. were 10? Yeah. He said something to me. (laughs) And and I, I remember I'd heard a word. I'd heard the word gauche. And I go, well, isn't that gauche? And I could hear the... I could hear the grown-ups cracking up and he was kind of dumbfounded that the word came out of me. Yeah, he was he
2: was the first time the first time I met him, uh, a guy named uh, uh, the Fleggers, George and Harriet Flegger had this gigantic boat. Flega. I used
0: to call her Flega. Yeah.
2: yeah.
1: Was that the Nordic Star?
2: Yeah, the Nordic Star yeah. at the time, yeah. And so we're cruising around the bay. They had a little bay cruise for all the people on Harbor Island, I got to come and And it was sort of in celebration of milton and claire landing on harbor island and um this woman is telling them you know about this one and about that one she was the 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 gossip of Harbor island and finally milton says you know i had to go to the bathroom for the last half an hour but i'm afraid to turn my back (laughs) women would run from parties crying i mean he was something else but really a good person. I mean, once you, you know, could handle that and, and understand him, um, he was really a good person. And, and you would go to dinner at their house and Donald and Chuck and Claire, Claire's the most competitive person I've ever seen in my entire life. And, and you know, it was like war from the time you sat down. It was war, verbal warfare. So anyway, um, I get invited to go, and I'm kind of terrified because Milton's going, and I haven't gotten to like him yet, and that came later.
0: And how and, old were uh, you now? Pardon? And how old are you at this point?
2: So I was old enough to be in business, so I had my little Your projects.
0: Timeline?
2: Let me see. Maybe. 20s. Um, I'm sorry, 1975, something like that, 74, somewhere in that neck of the woods. And as we go to get on the airplane, um, Duke starts whistling the high and the mighty. Yes. You guys have <laughs> he seen him do, do that? that?
0: Every single time.
2: <laughs> every single time. It's amazing how good he whistled.
0: I'm not a good whistler, but. Oh, yeah. he
2: was good. And, and we sat down, and there's this woman sitting behind us and she goes she stands up and she goes Mr. Wayne I drive trucks on the Alcan highway wow so he stood up and go really she started talking and they became fast friends they talked through the whole flight i think i think i lost my seat to her
1: <laughs>
2: so anyway go down to mexico we get we get in the car they were in mazatlan we go to the boat and uh, then we go to town for dinner and take the little boston whaler that was anchored uh, the wild goose was anchored in the middle of the harbor, Mazatlán, and we took the took the uh, Boston Whaler in. I got to bring a friend. I brought Steve. Uh, Chuck couldn't come, so Chuck Bren couldn't come. So we go to this restaurant, and uh, uh, you know, Steve asks Duke, "Is it okay to eat the lettuce here?" And he goes, "Of course." He puts his fork in like this, and and Steve puts the lettuce in his mouth and. Duke goes like this, and then he goes like that and puts it down. (laughs) It was pretty funny. So there was a gal sitting at the other table. She had black curly hair, and uh, she had a French accent. She was close enough that we could hear her. She's sitting at a table with like five guys. And Duke goes, you guys like her, don't you? I go, yeah, we like her. He goes, watch this. He stands up and walks across the room grabs a chair, turns it around backwards, sits down at the table. The guys laugh, the guys laugh, the guys laugh. He gets up, puts the chair back, walks back to the table. So I'm about to tease him about where's the girl. And all of a sudden she gets up and she walks over to our table. And he stands up. We all stand up. She sits down. Where are you from in Paris? And she's, you know, talking to Duke. And you want to go and see the goose? And she goes, sure. So we (laughs) go down and we get in the little... Boston Whaler and out we go and we walk up the little thing and we get on the back of the boat and he goes um, well I'm going to go hit the hay and the boys will show you around the goose and so he walks up turns the corner and goes into his stateroom she turns to us and goes take me back <laughs> <laughs> take me back <laughs> so we have to go down and get in the Boston Whaler and take this French girl back and Make sure she gets home safely. And so the next day he goes, so how'd it go with that French girl? I go, I can't kiss and tell. He goes, right. She's too old for you. And I go, well, she didn't think she was too young for you.
0: <laughs> It'd be great to find her and get her yeah.
2: new version. She married some guy in San Francisco. Oh, she was, in this was her bachelorette party that she came down with five guys that were wow. friends. Her bachelorette party with five guys. In Mazatlan. In Mazatlan, (sighs) no less. Back in
0: the day. How fun. So,
1: the wild goose. Now, the wild goose is a converted World War II minesweeper. It's 136 feet long, which, you know, it doesn't really stand out today in the harbor. But in the 60s and 70s, they ruined it. Yeah, for sure. But still, there's so many boats that are that size now that it doesn't really stand out. Do you remember it being significant when it pulled in at that time? Oh,
2: yeah, it was huge, except Milton. So I, I was like the audience, and Milton and Duke would go after each other at, at you know, the, you know, the little dining table in the Wild Goose. And um, I can remember Milton saying to Duke, you know this old tub you should pay me to be on this tub (laughs) but no it was really significant boat sure it was okay do you you remember max
1: wyman did you ever meet max you know i know the name max Max? was the guy that he bought the wild goose from he was up in seattle yeah
2: seattle washington
1: uh he was a good friend lots of boat trips up there uh max and a guy named buzz fiorini would fly up in a seaplane and we'd go fish these you know, British Columbian lakes from the wild goose. It was incredible. Did you ever uh, go
0: up to British Columbia or just the Mexico? Sorry? Did you ever go up on
1: the to no, the British Columbia? No, okay.
2: I never got invited on those trips. I only got to go to Mexico and Catalina.
1: That was well Mexico Mexico was great. It was great. And I love that you tell that that he went down to Del Mar and he just put on his trunks and went swimming because you know, you grew up as John Wayne's kid, and I knew my dad as a guy who loved the ocean and was at the beach all the time. And most people look at our dad and think, oh, you must have grown up on a ranch. And did you have horses? No, he and, liked the water. You yeah, know, you he, really, he really liked the water. And I can remember thinking, like, well, I had a horse. I had to go ride that thing on the weekends, you know. It was like Cota de Casa. Mm-hmm. And we rode a lot on the set. But other than that, no. And then since then I learned that, you know, he took it very seriously and he'd go ride up in the valley at a place before any film that he had to do. And he made sure that he had his, he his seat and his rhythm and everything riding.
0: set. Yeah, I remember going out and riding Dusty at Coto de Casa and I...
2: Dusty was your horse?
0: Dusty. Dusty was the horse, but I think I called him Peter. <laughs> what? I wanted a horse named Peter.
1: Now that <laughs> horse was Dusty. like 30 years old. Yeah. Yeah, uh,
0: but no, people are like. I thought you could ride. You're John Wayne's daughter. I'm like, yeah, I grew up on a boat. I didn't (laughs) grow up on a horse, and now I can ride a little bit better. But are your, L, his daughter. Is it a what's the name of the school? Thatcher. Thatcher in Santa Barbara, Mm. and it's all equestrian she, she's top she's, of her class I'm sure
2: and she is. and sophomore class president and wow she's she loves horses boy loves let's
1: them. bring up the post that we did on on my dad when he was in high school with all the his activities i don't know if you knew this but he was
2: he was it was very strange like he was on the Piano team or something Yeah,
1: like the yearbook, the The dance committee, the captain of the football team, the debate team, the newspaper, the drama Uh, club,
2: the what?
0: President of the senior class. Yeah. Mercy football captain, senior dance chairman, student chairman of the reception committee, stage crew, student assistant in cafeteria management, sports writer for
1: the high school newspaper and earned an honor. So,
0: there was only Way, three people in his class. <laughs> slightly more
1: accomplished than I was in high school. Yes, and, yeah. and it's and funny that you know I I lost him like as a junior. You lost him. My, what? You were seventh, seventh or eighth grade. grade.
0: Yeah, seventh
1: grade. It's so yeah, young. That's, I, that's, I wish I could have gotten some of that from. Yeah.
0: Well, we're luckily we're getting it.
2: Getting yeah. it secondhand.
0: We're getting it secondhand.
2: Well, I, I didn't. I didn't get that much. I mean, I I just got a little. But all these these conversations, I I mean, I love the
0: 13 years I had with him, but I love, I wish that I had known. Cause you know, you don't think about it and like, you want to remember every second now, Yeah. but I love that you had these conversations and wouldn't it have been great to have taken notes back then? And when I'm impressed with your outline, but how great would it have been to have some of that recorded or,
2: you know, when we got, when we got on the wild goose, he gave us cameras little those little yellow polaroid cameras gave one to steve and one to me like hey take pictures yeah it was you know otherwise i would have you know felt like i was intruding to take a picture Mm -hmm. and then he he would leave things around like like uh, you know he he loved to go through brochures uh catalogs catalogs Mm -hmm. and and order things and he Circle him and he'd go three. And circle something else and he'd go four. <laughs> <laughs> go, sit there going through some
1: catalog. Yeah. Constantly. Uh-huh. Constantly.
2: And, and you guys remember that?
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And the boxes coming. The, the boxes coming to the house. Yeah. Yeah. And then opening the stuff up. Remember, he ordered oh, a set gosh. of knives and they didn't put the knives in anything. So when he reached into the stuffing, oh. it cut his finger down to the bone. And we had oh, to God. take him to the hospital was wow. Cussing and saying what kind of idiot puts <laughs> Put damn knife together. In the he thing. Used to get me
0: jewelry from Avon. One of the I things he that. left
2: laying around was the script. He he went to Harvard, and uh, there's this thing called the Hastings Pudding mm-hmm. Club. It's the oldest social club in the nation. I mean, it's like 17 whatever. It's like the Civil, or, I mean, the Revolutionary War. And uh, in in Harvard, I have a daughter who. Graduated from Harvard Graduate School. Wow! And, congratulations. And they everything is divided by clubs. You feel like you're at, at, uh, you know, Hogsworth or however you say it, because there's the Hastings Pudding Club. There's the Porcelain Club. There's this club, that club. There's no fraternities or sororities. They're all clubs. So that Hastings Pudding Club has a theater club, and they um, invite people to come and speak, at their thing, and you know there are a bunch of you know smart aleck Harvard people so you get the brass balls very, award if you dare liberal. to show up right? yeah. and so Duke was invited and um, you know Pappy Ford told me not to go <laughs> and, and uh, so he, he went and they did a transcript of his stuff and they, they picked him up I don't know if they picked him up from the airport or somehow they got him on an armored personnel carrier you have to remember, this is during the Vietnam War. There's like peace protesters everywhere. And they, you know, spat on soldiers. And, and, you know, it was, you know, they had a big thing at the Democratic Convention. I mean, it was a
1: pretty contentious time. Contentious a lot of time. unrest,
2: yeah. A lot of unrest. And, you know, he had made the Green Beret movie. And, and you know, people associated him as being, you know, pro- Pro-war. Pro the Vietnam War. So he shows up. They get him in an armored personnel carrier, and they drive him through the Straits of Cambridge. Why the kids? It are... was
0: a tank, right? Wasn't it a?
2: Yeah. Well, it's like a, like yeah. a tank. I, I call it an armored personnel okay. carrier, but maybe. Okay. I don't think it looked like it. Maybe it was a tank. I don't know. Okay. But anyway, it was a military vehicle. Yes. Yes. And they drove him through the Straits of Cambridge, and you know, probably jeered at him. I would guess. And they get him into the auditorium, he gets up there, and I'm sure they cheered some more. And then they start asking him questions. And he um, won them over with his spectacular sense of humor. I mean, one of the lines that I read was, uh, why do you wear that phony hair? And he reaches up, takes his toupee off, and holds it and goes, this is real hair. It's just not my hair. He yeah. puts it back on his head and they you know, laughed at that. And Why don't you use real Indians in your movies? And he goes, please, Native Americans, they're too hard to hit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just one thing after another. And I don't know if it was choreographed or, or whether, you know, knowing how great he was at ad living, because I watched him and, and Milton go at it, you know, it might have not been choreographed, but it was spectacular. And at the end of the thing, they're all, you know, cheering on their chairs, right? So um, he won a pretty tough crowd over. And um, it was fun reading those things. And then we did the big crossing on the Wild Goose, crossing the Sea of Cortez. And Bert gave Duke and I the, like, I don't know, midnight of. Uh, Five in the morning. It was really late. Yeah, I don't know why he liked me so much, but but it was it was late enough so that we could see the sun coming up. So I don't know what time what time sun come up. Six o'clock. Ooh, five o'clock. Five, six depends on the I, time. I haven't are. seen it come up since. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we're we're up there on the bridge, and he's got his big cup of coffee, and you know I start talking and asking him questions, and you know. What was it like in the old days of the movies? And, you know, what, what, what big movie maker did you like? And what what'd you think of uh, Louis B. Mayer? And it's like dead silence. And I go, well, let me tell you a story about Louis B. Mayer. He died, and I showed up to make a movie at MGM. And the guard comes out and says, today is Mr. Mayer's funeral. Aren't you going? to his funeral Mr. Wayne and I said not unless they're burying him alive (laughs) wow he didn't like Louis B. Mayer and then he had a lot of stories about Louis B. Mayer um we talked about I was um the first thing I said to him is god I feel like I'm in in harm's way you know that the you know, like the Japanese are going to come over the horizon any second because we're standing on the bridge and, you know, you see nothing but sea and the moon. And it's dark
0: at this point? It was
2: dark, but there was a moon. Okay. And, and, um, I remember watching In Harm's Way a long time ago and I had memorized John Paul Jones line for exactly this time. And so I recited the line, you know, if I, I want to, I want a fast ship, or I don't want anything but a fast ship because I intend to go in harm's way. John Paul, John. that's not exactly what he said, but I knew it at the time. And uh, we, he said, oh, that movie, I didn't like that movie. I got really sick at that movie. And evidently, that's when he had like lung cancer and mm. he had his lung move, removed oh, was after, after that after movie that. or during the movie or sometime around that time. So we, we, I didn't go any further into that kind of thing. Uh, I talked about the Coast Guard because Chuck Brennan and I ran down and joined the Coast Guard and they made me a Coast Guard rescue swimmer. So he said, what was that like? I go, they tried to kill me. He goes, what do you mean? I go, well, you're not going to believe this, but here's what they did to me. He goes, wow, that's pretty amazing.
1: What did so, they do? Well, no, they do? Coast Guard rescue swimmer is really a tough program. course, They tried to kill me. Documentaries on it.
0: Like they try to drown you and see if you can get out?
2: Uh, well, first of all, you have to tread water holding a block in the pool for, I forget, half an hour, some crazy thing. But the worst thing is when you, when you the last thing they do is you're on Government Island in San Francisco Bay, freezing cold.
0: Freezing with sharks. Pardon? With sharks swimming along. Yeah, we
2: had a swim from Alcatraz and the guy's yelling, shark, shark, and he's shooting from this thing. Yeah. So you run for the helicopter and you get your wetsuit on while you're running and you get in the helicopter and you got your dive buddy with you and you take off and you fly out over san francisco bay and they make sure there's no moon it's pitch black they talk about the Farlon islands which is right offshore the breeding grounds of the great white sharks and then you bank you go underneath the golden gate bridge you bank and you go up the coast to mendocino where they have all these gigantic sea caves you know like a hundred foot cliffs and Uh, There's this huge swell running and the waves are smashing into the cliffs and shooting in the air. They got this big spotlight on the front of the helicopter. And they go, in one of those two caves, there's a dummy. And you two dummies are going to swim in there and bring it out. Now jump. You got to jump out of the helicopter into the water. And freezing cold, but, you know, your face is like freezing because that's the only part that's not covered. And you got towing one of those little orange buoy things like the lifeguards have. And my swim buddy was an all-American swimmer from USC. And the waves are smashing into the cliffs. And there's a sucking sound coming in and out of the cave. And he starts to cry. We're going up and down in these huge swells. And I go, oh, my God, this is horrible. So we dive down. We swim in. You grab a hold of the bottom of the ocean, the rocks. And then the water comes out. And you get up. And you've got a little light on your head. And you look around, and there's only us two dummies in there. And then you got to get down because the waves are going to come crashing in. And then you swim out with the tide, and then you swim into the next one. We get the dummy. We take the dummy out, and the helicopter's gone. (laughs) And I'm not saying gone for 30 minutes. There's nowhere to go. You're going up and down. My dive buddy's getting seasick in the ocean. You know how hard it is to get seasick when you're in the water? Yeah. (laughs) Easy on the boat, but in the water. So they finally came back and got us and hoisted us up. I wanted to take both of them. And by the way, they gave me hot chocolate.
0: <laughs> That's good. <laughs> so, well, hopefully
2: this
0: so I'm telling them this bad. story,
2: and and then we start talking about the Vietnam War. And uh, I I have this theory, the Enclave theory, that that we should have you know protected a couple of spots like Saigon and whatever, and and turned them into Hong Kong or Singapore or whatever, and. You know, the, the guys that were on our side could, you know, uh, hang out there. And, and it was nearing the end of the Vietnam War. Nixon was president. Um, and we started talking about the, the Democratic Convention and all the protesters. Have you guys seen the uh, uh, Chicago 8 yet? No. You, you should see it. So that's, that's my time. It was really interesting. We started talking about that. Um, so the, during the Democratic Convention, Lyndon Johnson couldn't run for re-election because people would chant, hey, hey, LBJ, how many kids you killed today? And they would you know, tear everything to pieces. So he said, you know, I will not run for president. So Hubert Humphrey, as vice president, um, went to get nominated in, in Chicago. And um, uh, the, the, all the war protester groups showed up to demonstrate against the war and um abby hoffman he yes
1: i did watch i watched about half of that so far yeah yeah it was uh the guy who played borat is in it yeah yeah, yeah. uh can't think of his name oh sasha baron, sasha yes. baron cohen yeah, yeah. sorry I, I was thinking of seen it. yeah so so uh, abby hoffman was the
2: yuppies and bobby seal was the uh black panthers and the guy that married jane fonda what was his name it was a congressman. tom tom hayden hayden yeah. tom hayden he was uh i don't know president of stanford and he was the uh, students for democratic action sda or whatever and uh mayor daly the democratic mayor um sent the police in to corner him and beat the hell out of him and then they put them all on trial all all eight of them and the judge was outrageous. I mean, I didn't know how bad the judge was until I
1: watched the movie. When you watch that show, you go, "Oh my God!" Yeah, the judge yeah. was crazy. Dirty judge. He,
2: they, he took Bobby Seale in a federal courtroom and gagged him and, and put him in a straitjacket or some crazy thing. So it was, it was uh, they all they, it was a very hot topic. Another one. About then. Well, that was a half a bottle that I brought. So. Um, yeah, so we talked about a whole bunch of stuff. And, and, and what, that's,
1: can you share any of his thoughts on, like, what was he thinking about it? Because I know he's very disappointed by Richard Nixon when Watergate happened. Yeah. Uh, he tried to sort of back him, I think, for a time. Yeah. Uh, and then he was extremely disappointed by him.
2: Yeah. Yeah, the the Watergate came during his second, when after, you know, that was during his reelection as mm-hmm. as... Um, as president. And um, yeah, I, I don't, I remember when Nixon was running for reelection, Duke went down and bought this house in South Laguna. Yes. That had all the steps. Yeah. You know, Finicular. do you remember that? Yes. Did you guys ever go down there? Yeah. Did. And he was going to rent it to uh, people that were coming out, you know, Henry Kissinger or whatever the people were that were going to come out for the convention or the, you know, the, I can't remember exactly what he told me about it, but, but um, yeah, we didn't get into that. We got into more, you know, Vietnam and, you know, things aren't going well and it's a disaster and, you know, we're trying to get out and how should we get out. And, you know, he was a huge leader in relocating um, the Vietnamese, Vietnamese to yeah. South to southern california mm-hmm. he he was really big in that because it was really sad i mean here are these people were that had backed america and and now their lives were online and you know the Viet Cong. literally
1: and, their lives were on oh, yeah. line yeah
2: yeah they they
1: uh you know they they were our big... supervisor michelle Steele uh, told me that he was instrumental in helping them come over her personally i think her family yeah yeah
2: there's a gal that works for me and um, she has fantastic things to say about Duke because her um, mother and father came over and he had something to do with it and the the father was like five years old and he became a doctor and the mother would go hang around she was Vietnamese and she would go hang around the the uh UCI medical Library to meet a doctor, so she met this guy and they got married and sh- they had um, Adrian so so it's uh huh. yeah but it was it was it was a bad bad time and um, the way that that ended was really bad it it I still believe in the enclave theory where if we had just protected certain areas, took a couple of aircraft carriers and put them off shore, got all of the Americans out of there and said, you're not going to go, you know, this is, there's a wall around this. This is, uh, you know, with American firepower, we could have held off or something. It. But, mm. you know, instead they got, the ones that didn't get away were in big trouble. Horrible. Horrible, and now, you know, it's really crazy, isn't it? I mean, Japan's now our good friend, Germany's our good friend, and Vietnam is now our good friend. Mm-hmm. It's really crazy. And, and the irony is, is in those days, I talked to Duke about this too. In those days, there was this theory about, about uh, the domino theory. So when, when China fell, um, Chiang Chai shek Everybody blamed we were too soft and we should have come and helped China. And then the idea was that if we didn't help Vietnam and Korea, that everything, the dominoes would fall and everything would become communistic and they'd be on Hollywood Boulevard. And I go, you know, those people have fought for centuries. And sure enough, after the Vietnam War was over, Vietnam had a gigantic war with Cambodia. And then they had a war that lasted seven years with China. So they may be communistic, but they're not you know, gonna be China's puppet. Matter of fact, they, they're bitter enemies for centuries. So the domino theory turned out to not be accurate. So anyway, um, we talked about that. Um, and that—that's what I mean. I mean, even though I had, you know, he had very strong opinions, and my opinions were, were, you know, because I'm younger and and you know, living with a bunch of uh, people that were, you know, anti-war, and and even though you know I didn't agree with a lot of things that they did, I also you know saw some of their side of it. I wasn't just, you know, and and he was very interested, asked questions, you know, didn't say, you know, Bobby, what in the hell's wrong with you? (laughs) You know, I'm not going to listen to that. He wasn't like that at all. And, and that I think is, to me was very surprising because in the beginning I was like very reluctant to give him my views, um, because I expected him to, you know, not at all. And, and this, this, um, you know I I uh, very he's very intellectual
0: there was one interview where he said hell I, I thought I was a liberal because I listen to every side it's like a lot is that of, what he a said a lot of liberals mm-hmm. don't listen yeah so I
2: can see him saying that
0: yeah what, what was that from Jade it was an interview
2: he did it was a in radio interview. I'm a liberal because I listen to every side. Very, very true.
0: That's all right. He not
2: only listened to every side, he asked questions, and he wasn't judgmental. You know, he had a very strong opinion, but then he would, you know, ask you about your opinion, and he didn't put you down for your opinion. So we would have dinner in the galley, and... uh, Milton's sitting over there, Duke's to my left, and Milton says to me, can you read? I go, of course I can read. I went to college. Uh-huh. He goes, read this. He hands me the script. So I take the script and I look at it and I start reading the script. He jerks it out of my hand. He goes, you can't read. And he hands it to Duke. <laughs> Duke looks at the script and he starts reading it. And I went, God, I can't read. He's right. <laughs> I mean, the, the you know, the way he told the the words with his voice was just amazing. Just amazing.
1: Um, his voice is incredible. You know, when I hear today, it's... We built this exhibit in Texas. And so they go, we want you to do a voiceover for this intro. And I start doing it. And I just think, man, you know, I, my voice is... it's. It, like, how are people going to receive this if they hear this voice and they want, you know, they're, they always want his stuff. And so it's hard sometimes to try to, to do things like that. Cause you know, they want his, and when There's you hear his, like you do the thing and then you listen to my voice and then you go in and you hear his voice and you go, Oh my God. No, you, you know,
0: that, that yeah. intro is amazing. The video with your voice and you can tell that you're so thoughtful and caring and I thought it was really well Well, that's done.
1: nice. But then when you hear his really voice, I mean, it. his voice was a character in well, a, of its own. It's more familiar. So Just good.
2: Just uh, bigger than, I mean, so much And I so noticed that if I smoke and
1: drink, my voice gets better.
2: <laughs> to you. <laughs> but I'm not going to do it. To you. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: you know, if you, like, have a night out where you're in a smoky bar and you've had a few whiskeys and the next day you're like oh my voice sounds good today yes. that's why Willie no. Nelson
2: has such a great singing voice yeah. he drank enough so then we started
1: talking about affirmative action oh yeah
2: Okay. so so um, he asked me what do you think of affirmative action I go I'm for it he goes really I go yeah I go why I go well I think that you, you know, when if you're, you know, black, and you're from a really poor area, it's going to be hard for you to compete with, you know, white kids from really good areas. And I think, you know, college, you're supposed to have an all around education. And you need, you know, some rich kids there, and you need some kids from India, and you need some black kids from the ghetto and you need some black kids from the rich neighborhood and you just need a melting pot of people because not only do you learn by going to class but you learn from your classmates and he said that's interesting he said how how would it be in business i go well that's different he goes why i go because you're in business you need to hire the best people he goes you're right i believe in merit and, and they're trying to make me hire, you know, X number of this and X number of that. And, and that's not right. And I go, well, yeah, I agree with that. So talked about the Playboy interview. They misquoted me. Um, a lot of that stuff I didn't say. Um, and I can tell you almost unfortunately i've been asked for quotes from time to time they never get it right yeah they just sort of make yeah. it up it's unbelievable
1: well uh, it's like clickbait today you know they're trying to get their they're trying to get their their phrase that's the gotcha phrase that's titillating that people want to read sure and Out so of context yeah and it's playboy
2: yeah it's a tough um, one now, dove hunting. So we get to Cabo San Lucas, and Duke is gonna go dove hunting. And I always forget whether it's Rod Rodriguez, was Rod Rodriguez You always the said Palmia? the name
0: Rod Rodriguez. It's Rod Palmia. Rodriguez.
2: So he's gonna go dove hunting with Rod Rodriguez that owns the Palmia Hotel. And uh, we load up all these boxes of shotgun shells into the back of some car that they sent for us and off we go to the palmia you know i get introduced to rod rodriguez and steve and i load the shotgun shells in and set it on rod Rodriguez's desk and off they go dove hunting and we go to the to the pool so we're drinking our little margaritas and hanging around the pool and finally they come back hours and hours later and in the meantime i see these boxes of shotgun shells they didn't take so i take them i load them back in the car and we drive back to the boat, and I go, "Wait a second, let me get those shotgun shells out." He goes, "What, Bobby? This was a gift, to rod, for Christ's sake!" <laughs> I go, "Oh, I'm so sorry. You want me to take them back? No, no, let them on the boat." So, the shotgun shells went back on the boat. <laughs> I got chewed out. Um, no good deed goes unpunished. <laughs> I wanted to save him some money. Um,
0: did they get some birds? What? Did they get a lot of birds? Do you remember? Yeah. They
2: had, they had, they had a lot. Yeah. I think they went dove hunting. Um, then uh, he gave me a lighter that said stolen from the wild goose, one of those Zippo lighters. Have you guys seen those? Yeah. And then there was a guy on the boat with us named Danko or Donko or something. Danko Jurevich. Donko Jurevich. Donko Jurevich. Yeah. He was a
1: sheriff or something?
2: He, was everything.
1: he I think he owned a Holiday Inn in Globe, Arizona. And he was friends with my dad and his ranching partner, Louis Johnson. And there was a big Serbian community down there. And Donko was a part of that. A big what? Serbian. Huh. Contingent.
2: Huh.
1: Well, I, I, uh, I, and so... So he wasn't a sheriff. He might have been a sheriff. He might have been something.
2: Told, I think he told me he was a sheriff. But anyway, he said that he owned a turquoise mine with Duke. Have you ever heard about
1: this? Oh, well, I, I mean, Bobby, he, I've heard people tell me he owned everything, like literally everything. So,
2: so a, a turquoise mine, and Donko sent me this piece of turquoise that I was going to bring with me tonight, but I couldn't find it. <laughs> oh, no. And, and uh, I still have it. But, um, yeah, he was quite the character. So Donko's
1: son works for a company called wms that we did a john wayne slot machine with and he lived in chicago and donko uh, yeah donko's oh, son I thought we
2: did it with uh matheson no? Nope, matheson? chuck matheson um yeah so we played a lot of backgammon on the boat and uh uh I think that that uh, Milton was the big loser.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I, I what man- was Milton's business? Was he a builder?
2: No. So Milton was in the movie business, and uh, he um, did. He was a writer and a producer, and I think a director. Huh. And he did. Um, we he can did, look that up. IMDb. He did a yeah. movie called Topper. Topper and the Friendly Ghost, and then he Mm. made it into a TV series. And he's Jewish, but I think he did something like The Robe or something like that. He did a number of big movies.
1: And uh, he. uh, And then did Don come from Milton? So, Don, um, Milton was
2: married to um, Marion, Marion Jurgensen. So, uh, Jurgensen Steel. Okay. So, there was this guy named Earl Jurgensen, who was a super rich guy. And uh, somehow, Marion and, and Earl Jurgensen got married. And they had two, uh, Milton and Claire had two sons, Donald and Peter. And Milton, Donald and Peter lived with Claire and Milton. So, Claire raised them. Then I uh, did a real estate deal with your dad. And we made some money, and uh, I took him to Gulliver's to give him the check. And it, it, was, it was a deal that was Pepper Tree related. It really wasn't Pepper Tree Ben. We're at Gulliver's, and uh, all of a sudden somebody comes up and asks him for an autograph. And you know he, he liked steaks that were—you'd think John Wayne would eat steaks that were raw, or maybe medium rare. He liked steaks like really well done. I mean, not kind of well done, just like really well done. (laughs) So uh, he'd take a bite. I think he had prime rib. I don't know how you do prime He would say
0: charred, charred medium.
2: Yeah. Yeah, he he would order a steak and he'd say, and I want a well done. And I mean, well, well done. (laughs) He wasn't kidding. Sometimes he'd send it back. This isn't well done enough. So anyway, I think he had prime rib. But anyway, he'd cut it, take a bite, and somebody'd ask for an autograph. He'd sign it. Pretty soon there's a line in Gulliver's. Gulliver's is still there, by the way, on MacArthur Boulevard. I haven't been there since. He'd have a bite, and he'd sign an autograph. And he'd have another bite, and he'd sign another autograph. And we're leaving, and I go, oh, my God, don't you get sick of that? And he goes, yeah, but on the whole, it's pretty nice being John Wayne. <laughs> I loved that one. Um, so Coy had a party in December, a Christmas party. And uh, Duke was there and Mark Harmon was there. I played volleyball with Mark Harmon. And he was a quarterback from UCLA. And, and he was um, related to, Kelly Harmon was his sister. And Chris Harmon had married uh, Ricky Nelson. And and the father, Tom Harmon, had won the Heisman Trophy and was a sportscaster. And um, Mark Harmon is, what's he have, what's it called, CFI? CSI. CSI, is that what it's called? CSI, CSI. not Miami. And he owns all of those. He's not just the actor. I mean, he's made a fortune off of that. Um, And Harriet and Ricky was there. And Ricky had come out with a... um, a song called "Garden Party," and you know he used to be a big star, and then his star faded, and then he went. He had a new cowboy band, and he went to play at Madison Square Garden, and um, he tried to play his new stuff with his cowboy band, and the crowd booed and booed and booed because they wanted to hear his oldies. So he wrote this song called Garden Party about, you know, I went to a garden party and so on and so on, and everybody booed, they wanted to hear Mary Lou and whatever, and it became a huge hit. So he sat down on the piano and played um, Garden Party, and, and uh, Duke, you know, stood next to him and goes, God, I'd love to have a singing voice like that. And my secretary, I... Um, have a gal who's been with me forever her name's Betsy, Betsy. have you ever met Betsy? Betsy so Betsy's been with me for a zillion years and her father I mean like there's there's God there's Jesus Christ <laughs> and then there's John Wayne and and maybe it's John Wayne and then there's Jesus Christ I'm not sure um so um I went up to Duke and I said Duke can you please take your picture with my secretary, it means so much to her father, and there's the picture.
0: Ah. Oh: look at how. She was 18 she years is. old
2: when she started working for me, and she's still there.
0: Wow.: Oh, that's beautiful.: it's Isn't that so amazing? Cool? Oh I my gosh, she, she is beautiful. She never told me that.
1: And he looks great. Yeah, I, I,
2: she showed me that picture. She, I was going she's over. Not the Irish one. Pardon.
0: Who's the Irish one?
2: That was Lou. Lou, Lou Corey. Yeah,
0: I was okay. I was mistaking.
1: Well, we
2: I know Betsy. This. Huh? Yeah, you can keep it. Up. Awesome. It doesn't matter. So, so uh, when she found out I was coming over here, she dragged out that picture, Aww. and I, I took a look at it, and I said, "God, Betsy, no wonder I hired you." <laughs> 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 she's so, so cute. So anyway, she's a sweetheart. And she is please like please a saint, Well, to so put up with me for all these years, you know, she's yourself. a saint. Um. Pretty. She was the Bank of America English Scholar Award winner or something like that. And she can draft a legal agreement like nobody you've ever seen. So Um, were you,
0: is that how you met Terry? Or were you already dating Terry?
2: Oh, so you've never heard the Terry story? I don't know if I should tell this one. So um, I met uh, David and um, uh, Yvonne at, one of Duke and Pilar's Christmas parties. And they said, you got to meet our daughter. And I said, okay. This
0: is Ricky Nelson's brother, David Nelson.
2: Yeah, David Nelson's Ricky's brother. The Ozzy and Harriet show. And um, um, uh, so I go down to a, a football game. They invite me to go to the football game. John DeLorean's there with Kelly Harmon and you know Mark's there and Ricky's there and stuff. And so I'm sitting there with all these people, and I go, where's the daughter? And all of a sudden, it's halftime, and David gets up and goes down to the field, and the daughter's the homecoming queen. She's in high school. They get on the back of the car, and they ride around the thing. And so we go back to the house afterward, and Ozzie was still alive then, Ozzie Nelson. And, of course, this girl wants nothing to do with me. She's got her boyfriend. But the mother wants her to have something to do with me. So that didn't work out. And then a couple years later, you know, this girl comes to my office that's selling sandwiches, and it's Terry.
0: Oh, So funny. that's how didn't that know happened. I did that story, okay. So his grandson is named Ozzy. Yeah. That's cute, Carmela yeah. still talks and about do you, Ozzy. Do you know
2: that um, Courtney just had another baby? No. So the baby's named Pippa. Oh
0: my gosh, yeah. she's got I the don't, greatest names. I, you like Obviously it? a girl.
2: Yeah, obviously okay, you like it.
0: I think it's cute. She has Ozzy, like Redmond. Redding. Redding.
2: Redding's Redding. the oldest.
0: Yeah. Redding. Aussie was the one that's like, Carmella's awake. Carmella's awake. Or was that Redding?
2: <laughs> I think we that all was went on Redding. vacation
0: together, and this little boy loved Carmella. And yeah, oh, that he was, was just Redding. Like he'd wait outside our bedroom, and she'd walk out, and he'd be like, "Carmella's awake. Carmella's <laughs> awake."
2: This is at uh, Yellowstone Club. Yellowstone Club. Yeah. Oh,
0: Pippa, I like it. You do. Yeah.
2: So. Now I'm going off on a tangent story. So um, my children go to school at Harbor Day School where Kobe's kids are. And, and Kobe, um, you know, grew up in Italy and all of his children have Italian names, Gigi and so on and so on. So he's about to have his fourth girl. And I'm walking by, they have the Harbor Day track meet and I go, Kobe, four girls. You're going to get cavities. I have six. He goes, you have six girls, man? I go, yeah. He goes, you got any good names? I go, Coco. My daughter's named Coco. And your kids have that Coco skin. I think Coco would be perfect. He goes, oh, Coco. So he has the baby and named the baby Capri. I'm kind of disappointed. So I'm, uh, he dies in the helicopter cast with Gigi, which is really, really sad. And I go to buy a bunch of the books that, you know, he authored all these children's books. I'm standing in line. I open the books, and he goes, dedicated to my magnificent, you know, strong, resilient daughters. And he calls each one of them by their nickname. He gets to to Gianna, and he calls her Gigi. And then he gets to Capri, and he calls her Coco. Coco. K-O-K-O. So I was lobbying for Coco. And I'm still calling her Coco, because I think it's perfect. Knockout, right? K-O-K-O.
1: That's so cool.
2: Yeah. So I'm, she's Coco to me. Yeah. I don't like shh, Don't edit that out, please.
0: <laughs> <laughs> As she gets older, you'll like it. It'll grow on you.
2: Um, so that was the last time I saw Duke, was at Koi's Christmas Party, 1977. And um, Chuck Bren was there. Milton was there, um, Harriet was there, Ricky was there, and now, you know, less than a year later, they were all gone. Mm.
1: Oh.
2: Amazing. Ricky died in an airplane crash, so did, so did, uh, Chuck. Um, so when, when um, Duke died, um, I, I Tom um, Riley, Supervisor Riley, was um, a friend of Clements, and he used to come, they never had any kids, Emma and and Tom never had any kids, so they would get invited over for Christmas dinner or Thanksgiving dinner. So um, when Casper, who was our supervisor, died
1: at sea. um, In the Newport Ensenada race? Pardon? Was that, he was in that Newport to Ensenada race? No,
2: I think he was just going down there. Oh, I don't really? think he was okay. actually racing, but he died going down there. He died going down to, might've been the race, I don't know, but I don't think so. But anyway, um, he died at sea and Clement lobbied uh, Governor Wilson, I think. I can't remember who the governor was, but Clement was always trying to get horse stays for Santa Anita and Del Mar. So he knew all those people really well and uh, to get Riley named supervisor. So Riley was the general of Camp Pendleton, General Riley. And he, uh, during World War II, he was on the PT boat that picked um, John Kennedy off the island and would go to the celebrations that Kennedy would have for all the PT 109 people in the White House. And he um, had pictures of him with the coconut and the, he carved, you know, "Save me on the coconut or whatever with, with, with Kennedy. So guess who was his aide at Camp Pendleton? Donald Brin. Really? So now Donald Brin's general. Was
1: Donald Bren in the Marine Corps?
2: Yeah, Donald Brin was in the Marine Corps. When he got out, he had a uh, ski scholarship. He was an alternate on the US ski team, the Olympic team. Don Brenn. Don Brenn.
1: He's an amazing skier. Really?
2: Amazing skier. And and he went to, I think it's the University of Washington, and he was a business major, and his minor was landscape architecture, some crazy thing, something like that. And um, then he went in the Marine Corps and uh, became um, General Riley's aide at Camp Pendleton. And so now this he, Bren owns the Irvine company. Donald Bren and 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 Riley is the supervisor, and I got this Bear Brand Ranch thing. <laughs> so now I start. Um, Clement and Coy get a divorce, and uh, so I start inviting Riley to Christmas dinner and Thanksgiving dinner. Right? I'm not so dumb. <laughs> I learned how it goes. So we, he's he's very Catholic, and he starts these Catholic things and I raise money for him for the Riley Roundup and you know, and I really, you know, I treat him like he's my father because he is like my father. So, Duke dies and um, I go to lunch with Riley and I, he goes, you know, we should do something to honor Riley. I mean, to honor, you know, John Wayne. And I go, name the airport after him. He goes, that's a great idea. Those guys owe me because Riley lived right underneath the flight path. He represents the magnificent 5th District, which is Newport Beach. Everyone in Newport Beach hates the airport. They want to expand the airport. They want to build a new terminal. And the rest of the supervisors, this is really good for Orange County. They're really pushing it, and he's the big holdout. And so um, that was kind of like the magic you know, they would, of course, they wanted to do it anyway, but they also used it as a lever with Riley to kind of soften them up. So I'm at Riley's office and Patrick and
1: Michael, Michael,
2: thank you. <clears throat> Patrick and Michael are there and they go back into the Riley's thing where all the pictures are and, and they talk and talk and talk. And I'm sitting out in the lobby area with Peter Herman his aide and we're talking and finally they come out and General Riley says okay well we're gonna have a hearing right now and can you show Michael and and uh, down to the to the hall of administration I go sure so we go down and Patrick and Michael get in the elevator with me and they start talking carny oh yeah I have no idea what they're saying. And they're laughing, and they're talking, and they're laughing. I'm going, God, what are they saying? And I didn't even know what it was. I mean, I knew it wasn't Pig Latin, but um, I don't know where they learned.
0: CSO reissued.
2: You can do it, right? ESS. (laughs) (laughs) So, anyway, we go down, we go into the hall administration, and, you know, we got this big announcement, and, you know, all the newspapers are there and stuff. And so they announce that they're going to name the airport, you know, Sean Wayne Airport, and, you know, everyone applauds. And, and um, then it the terminal gets built, and they are got, you know, the big statue of Duke. I don't know. Who did that big bronze statue that's there? Do you know?
1: I'm to, it's not. Is it David Manuel? It's magnificent.
2: No. It's no. truly magnificent. I mean, yeah. all there.
1: It is, I it's mean, a I remember great it's, statue. It's That's beautiful. the best bronze Really? That's ever been made of it's him, so good. I think. Yeah,
2: Yeah, it's beautiful. So anyway, they're going to have the big uh, uh, dedication of the, of the statue in Isn't the airport. Isn't that
1: weird that, you can, that I can say that about my dad or our father? Like, that's the best bronze that's ever been <laughs> that's made. Like, how many bronze bronzes? Because there are so There's many a lot bronzes. of bronzes that have been made. I, the Harry Jackson one's pretty good.
2: Do you guys have the Brass Balls Award? No. No?
1: There are so many things that aren't around that were there. His, ch- his wooden... Chess, Chess sets. Yeah, they were on the boat. They were on location. They were at the house. I've never seen one since he died. His belt buckle that he wore. Yeah, never seen it.
2: How about the bracelet, the copper bracelet he wore? All the I think time?
1: he's buried with it. Oh really?
2: So anyway, um, uh, they're going to dedicate the statue, and um, uh, Riley calls me up and says, "Okay, we want you to bring Ayesha to the ceremony." So I go, okay. So I call up AISA, I got it all set up. I'm gonna come at this time and pick you up. <laughs> and and uh, so, you know, it, I'm show up about five minutes early and there's no AISA. And so I go, oh my God, this was before there were cell phones. I go, oh my God, you know, this is a Marine general. <laughs> you know, if I show up saying, guess what? You sent me on a mission and I have failed, I might get shot. <laughs> So I'm, you know, frantic. You know, what do I do? I drive back to my office. I call Marisa. There's, I mean, Aissa, excuse me. It wasn't Marisa. You would have been there. I was
0: there.
2: I call Aissa. Um, there's no answer. Finally, I drive to the ceremony. I, I get my car parked. I get in there, and it's like ending. Ayusa <laughs> was there. So she got a different ride than my <laughs> ride. And I I double-checked with her like three (laughs) times. It wasn't like she just blew me off. I don't know who she went with or who she went home with, but it wasn't me. So, um, yeah, that's how the airport got to become the airport. And um, it better stay the airport. Can you imagine before that it was Santa Ana Airport?
1: Santa Ana Airport.
2: It's still SNA. Yeah. Yeah. They still haven't changed that.
1: Yeah. So, Riley was holding out because he didn't want the planes coming over the flight, but they didn't want to let jets in or something, right?
2: Yeah. So, the city of Newport Beach um, and the magnificent 5th District included not only the Bear Brand and Laguna Beach, but, you know, included Newport. And he actually lived. He lived right up here. Um, he lived in, in uh, Dover Shores. Hmm. And so, those planes would take off over his house. So, he, he wasn't a fan of the airport. And, of course, George Argyris wasn't a fan of the airport. And so you know, a lot of people that lived in Newport Beach were very anti-airports, still are. Um,
1: We are right under the flight path. There's no doubt what time it is when seven o'clock rolls around. Yeah,
2: they came to my mother's house one time to try and get her to join in the lawsuit. My mother said, are you kidding? I lay here in bed with a patch over my eye and every time I hear one of those planes take off, I think of all those happy people going somewhere. They don't have to drive to LAX. <laughs> I'm not suing. So anyway, um, yeah, he he was, you know, very anti airport and the airport, you know, they had lots of lawyers and lots of city of Newport Beach and and but the rest of the supervisors, if you represented Anaheim or or whatever, you wanted that airport to be bigger and bigger, and of course all the big airlines wanted it to be bigger and bigger. Sure. And so yeah, it was a big battle. I think it's still a battle. They're by the way, they're getting ready to, you know, where all the, um, all the um, what do you call those bases that, that are for private planes?
1: Fixed oh, the hangars, the, the fixed, fixed base operators? Yeah,
2: the fixed base operators. They're all getting wiped out, except that one is expanding. Like Atlantic Aviation mm-hmm. that Kobe would fly out of, that's gone. Um, so they're getting ready to expand it again.
1: Yeah, they need another uh, just another couple hundred feet. It's a very short runway. I think it's fifty-eight hundred and something feet right now. And uh, like, if you have a Learjet or a Gulfstream, and you see you want six thousand feet, you need and, extra uh, two hundred feet. Uh, with a, with a with a, they've got the land now, and then they can start flying the larger planes out of there. They can get. Uh, uh, I think they can do they can do seven fifty sevens now, but they but they can get the seven sixes in there, and they might be able to get the new twin engine Boeing's in and out of there. But they can get some very large aircraft soon.
2: Yeah, someday so, they'll be. Do you know France has an uh, electric plane? Yeah, I've like seen a, a couple like a of Tesla.
1: Those, a couple of those. They they can't fly very long, but they're they're doing it.
2: Yeah, but that'll 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 change someday. They'll be. They'll just lift off. like It'll all be like the Jetsons, yeah. right? Are they quiet? Pardon?
0: Are they quiet? The electric ones? Yeah. Like the They're Tesla? Oh, yeah.
2: Like, like a Tesla car. They're mm. Do you still prop. have your Tesla? I, I'm got a... Well, I'm between Teslas. I'm about to get a okay. new Tesla. Okay. I bought a, um, a Tacoma truck because my boys are going surfing all the time. And we have these pedal assist bikes that we put in the back and we go all over the place. So I, I show up and and... Uh, i got a surprise for you. My 13-year-old just turned 13 and goes, Dad, it's so macho. I go, really? <laughs> we get in the truck and we go off to Surfside mm-hmm. and I go in and I buy a wetsuit top so I can swim out and take pictures of them. I back the truck out and I start by the front of Surfside and this girl comes walking out and I go, Oh my God, look how skinny that girl is. I mean, she looked really skinny. And my Rye sitting in the back seat, goes, Dad, she doesn't look that skinny to me. <laughs> and I go, you think she likes truckers and packs? Eight years old, sitting in the front, turns and points at me and goes, "Dad, hold on to your dreams." <laughs> <laughs> Sarcastic eight-year-old. Oh, that's awesome. uh, I think that's a sign of I intelligence.
0: Love a good pickup truck. That's great. So they're they're fun. So, Jade Bobby has six six girls. And then two young sons. So, girl, 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 and then
2: yeah, I got my first eight.
1: You have eight kids. Eight I have kids. eight
2: kids. Oh, I got another story to tell you. Wow. <laughs> so eight eight. I get I get invited to go to dinner with Philip Rivers, and uh, second floor little private dining room uh, at Mastros.
0: Quarterback.
2: Quarterback for the Chargers. And uh, the, the two owners of the Chargers are there. And uh, I'm a target for a bungalow on the field. So I haven't told them there's just no chance I'm buying a bungalow on the field. I get to go to you know, work out and throw balls to wide receivers and it was really fun. So I get to go to this dinner and there's three other guys there, the two owners of the team, and they sit me next to Philip Rivers. So some guy on the other side of the table says to Philip Rivers, I understand you went to a Catholic school and you were all league quarterback. And he goes, yeah, but it was a very small league and a very small school. And, and uh, they bring the food, and I'm trying to figure out what to say to him, And I go, hey, I went to a little Catholic school. And I was an all-league quarterback too. He turns and he looks at me, and he goes, I was all-state. I go, yeah, you play in the NFL, and, and you're going to the Hall of Fame. But uh, I ran a 4 He goes, I'm 6'5", 235. <laughs> I go, listen, I have eight children. (laughs) He goes, I have nine. No way. I go, you have nine children? He goes, yeah. I go, with the same wife? He goes, yeah. (laughs) I go, oh my God, in how many years? He goes, 15 years. Your wife had nine children in 15 years? Did you have triplets? He goes, no. Did you have twins? He goes, no. I go, your wife is tougher than you are. (laughs) Yes. Can you imagine nine children in 15 years? No. How old is he? No. I don't know.
1: 40? He's not, 40. He's
2: not, he's not as go. old as, uh, yeah, he's 30-something. He's not as old as, uh, they traded him. Tom Brady, 39.
0: 39. He's not 39. as old
2: as, wow. you, you just know all the answers, don't you? <laughs> so yeah, he's not as old as um, Tom Brady, but, but he's getting up there. You wow. know what he wants to do when he retires? Hmm. He wants to be a high school football coach like his father Aww. at a Catholic high school.
1: That's amazing. Cool. cool.
0: With all
2: these millions. (laughs) Millions.
1: Oh, there's a plane. Yeah, Yeah, what time is it? Oh, we got a couple more hours of them.
2: So, here's some pictures of Marisa.
1: Oh, no. Cute.
2: So, this, I think, was during Easter at Irvine Coast Country Club. I think I was the
1: photographer.
0: Let's see these. I just love these photos from the 80s.
1: Marisa has a lot of um, glamour shots.
0: That looks like an Easter dress. That's definitely because you can see yeah. the smile in the background. Aww,
1: this,
2: this is I my favorite. Laura up?
0: Ashley coming out of an outhouse. Thank you. In my white. Do you know box. where that was? Where's oh that? Oh my God. I don't know. I have credentials on.
2: Is this, is this you and me? I, I don't recognize you.
0: Oh, that's us.
2: Is it? God, my face is so red. I must have been blushing.
1: Is that Um, that Zeta and Molly?
0: This was at Yellowstone Club. New Year's Eve with all the O'Hill girls.
2: I think that was New Year's.
1: Those are all his girls? That's his
0: daughters and then his wife, Andy. And who's that? Oh, that's that's Courtney. Courtney. Wren.
2: Andy. So Marisa used this? to... this?
1: I have no that idea. That was
2: uh, at a tennis tournament where she had to present the thing at the Newport Beach Tennis Club.
1: Look how cute you are in this. That
0: was, I remember that, Laura Ashley. That must have been Easter. Oh my That's a Laura, you, you know what like
2: brand that dress is? I think Laura it was Laura Ashley. Ashley. Looks like That's it. That's cute. So Marisa loved flash dance. And, you know, one time I pulled up beside her I don't know, I was going into Emerald Bay, she was coming out, and I rolled down the window and she's playing flash dance so loud and dancing too, it, it was unbelievable. So this was in her flash dance days.
0: Oh cute. <laughs> oh my god, that's so embarrassing. Laguna Beach. That was my headshot. Oh my gosh. Your headshot. shot. Carmella has that same look when she's mad at me. That's she has that same look? So funny. Your hair is yes. Amazing.
1: Okay, wait. This we have to save. This I can in remember, remember. My house. I can't remember. <laughs> what are you like? Ten? Let's
0: have mom you. Paint that. She
2: she was older. I
0: was probably like. 14. She just looks younger. I don't know. You
2: were probably seventeen, maybe. Was I? Oh you think God. you were younger?
0: Maybe because you I looked was like
1: eleven years old.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I
0: look pretty young there.
1: Uh, that, I would be like, oh my gosh, that's, these that's are a sign so... that you you and I so are getting wash your older. Face, Do your homework. <laughs> Take off the
0: headband. Flash dance. I love flash dance. Just like a
1: little baby there. You loved flash dance. I did. Was okay. Flashdance the one where yeah. they weren't allowed to dance? No, that no, was, footloose. That was uh, footloose. Oh, yeah. Footloose. No,
0: flash dance. She worked like in the steel mill. Remember, she oh, splashes yeah. herself that,
2: that, with that, water. That and... that one,
0: yeah. Yeah. Maniac, Maniac. Yeah. 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 Oh, my gosh. Those are so great.
2: We should play some of your songs.
0: So, wait, there's one story that you told, and I don't know if you want to. Have it on the podcast. Have I forgotten a story? But it's the one where you were on the goose with my dad, and Hugh brought his friend who was. Oh,
2: the... I forgot that story. Okay. Okay. Should I take over? Yes. <laughs> okay. So I um, went to Catalina on the wild goose. Marisa, Ethan, everybody was on board, and there was this guy named Sandy Stillman. And Sandy Stillman was the son or grandson of the Stillman that was the co-founder with Rockefeller of Standard Oil. And he founded, I think it was Citibank. And he had this son who was, I don't know, maybe he was like 20 at the time. Really nice kid and really super gay. Really nice and really gay.
1: Was he the steward?
2: No. Okay. No, did you have a...
0: But I think think we're talking about the same person. Okay.
2: Really? You Mm -hmm. thought he was the steward? Mm Mm-hmm. I don't think this guy was a steward. Okay. He he somehow, Coy somehow met him along the way and invited him out to stay at her house, and he stayed at the house and somehow he got invited to go out on the wild goose. So I'm going, oh my God, Sandy's going out on the wild goose. You know, Duke's going to pick him up and throw him in the water. <laughs> <laughs> so we go out to the we go out to Catalina, and, and he couldn't have gone out of his way to be nicer to him. I mean he was, you know, sat down and, you know, talked to him and asked him questions and and uh you know, it was just really, really nice to him.
0: Didn't you say he was doing yoga like almost naked on the bow? Yeah.
2: He would he would sit out on the bow and and he would wear these, you know, like yoga shorts that were really short and and he had you know something wrapped around his head kind of like what you have and and he would sit there in these weird yoga poses you know the one where you the downward dog and you know all those kinds of things and it was like oh my god if 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 uh you know this is pretty you know risque and none of it bothered Duke at all and and uh, so he takes the, the little Boston whaler out. And I don't know where he went, but he comes back. And the next thing I know, I hear Duke yelling, Oh, my God, there goes the whaler. And then he goes, Sandy, did you tie it in a bow knot? <laughs> I ran dove over the side like Tarzan, <laughs> swam after the boat. Yeah, he was, it, it was. Um, but I mean, that, that is exactly, you know, kind of makes my point. Is that, you know, the the image, even my image of Duke, even knowing him, this was after Mexico, you know, I wasn't sure how he was going to handle that, and but you know he 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 was very um, very tolerant of of people's views and people's religion and people's um, you know sexual preferences in the case of Sandy and and. Uh, uh, very, really, a good guy,
1: great heart. And boy, he by by that time, he'd come on. through. You know, personal struggles, country struggles, uh, changing times, and he, he sort of, off screen, had a, I think, a deep compassion for people in general. Absolutely. And a real desire to connect and communicate. And, I mean, I see that after the fact in just looking back at his life. Now, you were there firsthand to see it. Uh, and those were things that I didn't pick up on when I was a little boy or didn't get to experience. We didn't get to experience a lot of that. But I always hear that. And it's... Uh, it's Have it's you heard some... other people say that? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it... it, uh, it... You know, all I can remember was, you know, I grew up in the, you know, tail end of the Vietnam War. And, you know, it, it was, you think these protests we just had were something? I mean, it was nothing like during the Vietnam War. I mean, people burned building down some traffic. People got shot at Kent State. and
1: Domestic bombings, right? Pardon? There were domestic bombings. Oh, yeah.
2: and And, you know, a lot of you know when when you see the war come into your living room because you know the the you know news people were embedded with the soldiers so i mean you would see horrific things every night on the news that would just stir up the anti-war movement so you know that was you know a big although i went in the coast guard and although i didn't approve of you know some of the you know, certainly mistreating people that were coming back from the war. I was very sympathetic with, you know, all these young guys dying in Vietnam for, you know. And he was very, um, you know, receptive to that. And almost, I never got him to ever say, you know, I agree that the war was wrong, but almost. I mean, he was almost there.
1: He certainly cared about, Oh, the people who had to go there
2: oh yeah he really cared about the soldiers and he really cared about the Vietnamese mm-hmm. yeah very definitely and, and he was tolerant and understanding of the protesters maybe not the ones that spit on soldiers but, but uh... and the other interesting thing about him is that there was a certain dangerous quality about him a certain quality where he was sort of unpredictable where, where, and I think, um, you know, that that is part of the reason that he has such a big screen presence. Is it almost, you know, it's it's it's, you know, I think you know Steve McQueen, you know, had that kind of thing. I th- he had that. I asked people in my office, you know, who Steve McQueen is. They don't know who he is. They all know who John Wayne is, but oh, they better. Steve McQueen liked motorcycles. That's why I brought his name up for Ethan.
1: Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Love Steve McQueen. Do you
0: have that photo here?
1: No. Uh, I don't.
0: Ethan has a great photo of him holding up his middle finger. Holding up what? His middle yeah, finger. a
1: picture of him, like, riding one of his motorcycles on the lot, at uh, like on the back lot. Like, they must have delivered him a new dirt bike, you know, and he was making some movie, and he just hops on it with no shirt, and he was flipping off the camera as he rode by. Just pretty cool dude. It had like, you know, the cars of the day were behind him. There was like a Mustang and a Volkswagen Bug and just a cool, cool old photo. Yeah. But I've heard a lot of people talk about my father during, you know, all the blacklisting in Hollywood and how he had, you know, very open and cordial conversations with people who believed in communism. And uh, he didn't believe in blacklisting them, blacklisting people who were good writers and uh you know they said well what about so-and-so and And they said well how much did he work before the blacklist like that guy didn't work period you know but the guys who did work are still working for me uh he said I'm I'm anti-communism but I can work with somebody who's communist yeah you know we're working it's a project whether they were gay or trans or communist or black or white or red he didn't care he was all about the mission yeah getting the job and done. that's what
2: he meant by merit you know correct he 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 was you know you know he you know he's an icon of the west i mean you know that's where merit counted right but
1: but you know he started on the football field and the school newspaper and you know in the drama club and then on the back lot and he worked his way up and he worked for raul walsh and john ford and was around Yakima Canut, Harry Carey Sr., you know, those... Howard Hawk. Howard Hawks. I mean, I think those guys were, you know, they were, uh, they were black belts of their time. They spent time on the mat. They knew how to do what they were doing. Yeah. And they expected you to know your job and to, to be there and be ready. Yeah. And so I think he appreciated Called people. John Ford Pappy, right? Yeah.
2: And there was some... I remember talking to him... We are playing backgammon, I think. And he was doing Laugh In or something. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, uh, John Ford or Pappy Ford told me I shouldn't do it, that I was going to wreck my image. But, um, you know, he was very much wanted to connect with the next generation.
1: Yeah. People love this Laugh In episode. Oh, I, yeah. I love them. Yeah, but Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter gets elected. He says, "Your father, Carter, gets wrote elected. to me. So I didn't vote for you. You know, he would sign it from the loyal opposition. But I'm, you're my president. I'm here to support you." And he goes, "Your father wrote me. He, he was on the opposite side of basically every decision I made in my presidency." And he wrote to me and he explained why he felt the way he did and why he was on the other side of these decisions that I Are was. Are you saying Carter said Carter. that yeah. President that Duke Carter wrote to him? Yeah, yes. wrote to him prolifically. Every day. <laughs> because he, he, he disagreed with a lot of the decisions that Jimmy Carter made.
2: Not yeah. about Panama,
1: though. Not about Panama. And then when the Panama Canal issue came up, he sided with President Carter and backed him. Uh, and I can remember as a young man watching my dad work on that at home and reaching out to people and bringing people in from Panama and having discussions and really? trying to help. Wow. Oh, yeah. totally yeah. And why was that such a big deal to him? I guess he felt like that was the right thing to do.
2: Okay. I can remember sitting at his desk in his chair and turning, and he would have all these little things. And I remember one thing was like a, a train or a caboose. And and my mother always called me the caboose. I remember looking at this thing, and I go, God, Aww. I should, I should um, take a picture of this and figure out how to have it cast so I can say to To the engine from the caboose or something for Mother's Day. So cute! I can. Remember, he had lots of really cool things that were presented to him from different people. Yeah. Around yeah. his desk, it was really neat.
1: Well, thanks, you guys. Thanks, Bobby. Thanks, Marisa.
2: We'll do dinner another night then.
1: Okay. We'll Sounds figure great. out a
2: post dinner.
1: Let's so go. Cool. What's good in Laguna?
2: Thank you so much for listening to the John Wayne Gritcast. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you like what you heard, give us five stars in the Apple Podcast app and follow us on social media at John Wayne Official.
1: Slap some bacon on a biscuit and let's go!